0: Okay, so I'm going to dive straight in uh, this morning, if that's okay. A uh, series called Chainless and Fearless. And, and the opening premise, the setup, if you like, is that as Christians, we've been taught that Jesus died to set us free. This is great news. The reality, though, is, I think, that actually very few people live in the fullness or even close to the fullness of that freedom. Even though it's quite clearly God's will for you. Galatians 5 verse 1 in the uh, Passion Translation says, Let me be clear, the Anointed One has set us free. Not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. Amen. Amen. This is good news, folks. This is good news leads to, to three questions, just to kick us off. The first question is this. Is it really possible for us to live chainless and fearless? Is it really possible? I wonder, maybe, maybe not quite entirely this side of heaven. But you know what? Much of what God is doing in your life right now is about, is about dismantling those chains and disempowering those fears. Question number two, I love this question. Think about this one for a second. What could God do in and through you if you had no chains and no fears? Do you know what? There'd be no limit. What an exciting thought that is. In my eyes, at least, that should be enticing enough to keep you coming along and hang in there through this teaching series. That, I think, leads then to question number three, which is, which is what are the chains that still bind you and the fears that still torment you? We're going to work our way through, through, through the six, six of the most common fears and chains. And the interesting thing about the list, I think, is we can probably all see a little bit of ourselves probably... In all of them. Last week we looked at crushed by comparison, and today uh, we're going to be looking at squished by stress. Last uh, week I introduced you to crushed Craig. Today I'm going to introduce you to stressed Stella. Now, as far as I know, I'm trying to choose names. I, I don't think there's a Stella in the <laughs> chat. If you you are a visitor today and your name is Stella, I wholeheartedly apologise. This is entirely by accident. Or not. Anyway. (laughs) Okay, Stella is squished by stress. She'd tell you all about it if you could ever actually catch her. She's constantly running around all over the place. You can almost see the smoke coming out of her ears. There's always a problem to solve, a deadline to meet or person to please. If only there, apologies Malcolm, were eight days in the week and 25 hours in the day. How do you spell Stella, you ask? B-U-S-Y. And it's hardly surprising. Stella is juggling two jobs. Her husband is a high flyer. Her kids are in football, piano, gymnastics and scouts. Her elderly parents aren't in great health these days and she never likes to miss a meeting. If Stella's in, she says, then Stella's all in. Though in usually means charging in at the last minute and blustering out at the end in a bit of a tiz. We've all noticed Stella's stress. It's hard to hide. She's always got a cold, She's becoming increasingly erratic and is often heard bellowing at those kids. Wine o'clock is getting earlier and earlier. (laughs) Some would say too early. But every time she sits down, she remembers another job that needs to be done as her blood pressure races and headache intensifies. I don't know where to begin, says stressed Stella. How am I going to fulfil those obligations and meet those targets And conquer that diary. I just can't cope too much of the time. I'm like that swan on the lake, frantically paddling under the water, hoping I don't sink and bring the whole thing crashing down on top of me. Poor old Stella. Unfortunately for many, living the dream can turn into a bit of a nightmare. You know, the expectations of Middle England of maintaining that lifestyle and looking the part and and climbing that ladder. Oh, I forgot. And doing great things for God in all that spare time. Perhaps Stella needs to listen to my Upside Down series Less is More and Slower is Faster. There is no way in the, in the time that I have to, to cover all that stress entails. So I'm quickly going to look at two elements. The first one is the damaging effects of stress. And the second one is some of the causes of stress. Now, Because I want to race through this and get to the next bit, I'm going to set myself a two-minute challenge. Set your stop clocks. So I'm going to go through this in two minutes each. Ready, steady, go. The damage caused by stress. You know what? I searched that on good old Google and the first hit that I came up with, I thought I de-stressed myself, because we just go with the first one. So the first hit on stress says stress, t- nine things. Stress makes it difficult to control emotions. Stress can promote disease. Stress can affect your love life. Stress can ruin your teeth and gums. Stress can ruin your heart's happy days. Stress can make you gain weight. Good excuse. Stress can make you look older. Stress weakens your immune system, and stress can lead to long-term disability. If that wasn't exciting enough, I'm going to add a few more of my own to that list. Number 10, stress will trash your sleep. Number 11, it will steal your energy. It will swing your moods. It will play havoc with your relationships. It will affect your mental acuity, concentration, and memory. Stress fuels addictive behaviors. And finally, stress will come right slap bang between you and God. The damage caused by stress. Did I beat two minutes? Second one it is one or two of the causes of stress. I, I, what are some of the fears that torment us and some of the chains that bind us? and get us into this place. Just four of them. Number one is the fear of missing... Excuse me, I can't even say it. The fear of missing out on something. Here's a question. Can can, can we be so busy chasing the American dream, striving to climb the ladder of success and significance, slaves to that ever-expanding diary... Do, can we find ourselves blindly chasing after all of that stuff, whatever the cost? And if we do so, isn't there a danger that in the end, we end up missing what's truly valuable? The fear of missing out on someone. The second on something. The second one is, is the fear of looking inadequate and inferior. Just pause for a second. There's a little lingering piece of that, I suspect. In every one of us. The fear of looking inadequate and inferior. No one wants to look inadequate and inferior. Here's a couple of of related lies that we buy into. Number one. If you're not stressed, you're obviously not taking it seriously enough. Lie number two. If you're not rushed off your feet, people will assume you're irrelevant. It comes back to, to last week and, and this c- comparing thing. You know, we all want to fit in. We all want to, to be popular. We all want to keep up. No one wants to look inadequate or inferior. But never mind, because that can easily be covered up. The question is, though, at what cost? At what cost? Third fear... It is the fear of letting people down, as in the drama. You know, particularly if you are an empath, many of you are, it's easy to live in the fear of offending people or disappointing or failing people. Now, no one wants to do that, of course, but but in, in its extreme form, that can, can actually become a clammy fear. And that fear can lock you into to an unhealthy and destructive behaviours. Largely, it has to be said, at your own expense. Fear number four, trying to hit my two-minute mark, is, is the fear of failing God. The good news, this is called the Gospel, is that we all failed and continue to fail God. And this is why Jesus came, and this is why we have... The gospel, but you know this—this this fear, the enemy is trying to work this fear over time in us to seduce us out of grace and into works. You know, if, if only I were to work harder, or, or persevere longer, or shout louder, then God would be pleased with me again. You know, God is not in heaven with a big stick looking down on you, waiting to thwack you every time you mess up. Actually, as Dave implied earlier, we have a heavenly Father who is looking down on us all lovingly and patiently, who's working skillfully and tenderly in your heart so that you can find the joy of meeting with him and walking with him, and ultimately serving him. Those are the four fears. I wanted to cut that short because because I really wanted to dive into the practical today. And today I I have for you six principles to help you reduce your squish. And the aim of this ultimately is to take us through towards the end to the possibility of a little bit of time of, of response, and allowing the Lord to minister into your squish, your stress at the moment. So I have six practical stress unsquishers. And the first one is, are you ready? The first one is is start a to-don't list. (laughs) How often do you hear this conversation? Hey, good to see you. How are you? Ah, good thanks. Yes, you know. Really busy? Here's a strong statement for you. Busy is not a God to be worshipped. Actually, I wonder if it is an idol that needs to be put to death. Yes, there are levels of busy that are good and healthy and productive. But there are others that are dangerous and depleting and damaging. I was very pleased with myself when I had a grilling in the Broome Village Hall just before I started here and I was asked various questions. One of the, the best lines that I came out with was this. It was, please don't make me busy and don't be impressed if I am. Please don't make me busy and don't be impressed if I am. Why do we think that everyone is impressed that we are busy? I was listening to a, a Craig Rochelle podcast Uh, just last week, and it was entitled, Cut the Slack. Talking about productivity in leadership, and he talks about cutting the slack, and and slack was defined as something like this, anything unnecessary, anything distracting, anything resource-heavy, time-wasting, and energy-sapping. Do you know what? I don't think this is a shocking statement. Our resources are limited, so don't waste valuable capacity. You now, it's really good to have a to don't list. These things I just don't do. Full stop. Here's some of the things on my to don't list Facebook. I don't do Facebook. Junk email, right? I unsubscribe from everything because you guys send me frightfully important emails all the time and I want to have all my mental capacity to answer them. So I unsubscribe from everything. You know what? I I don't do social media interaction except the like button because I like encouraging people. I, I tell you what I don't do. I don't do planting flowers. Okay? The reason for that is I'm so busy managing the weeds and cutting the grass <laughs> that planting anything in my garden would just tip me over the top. Sorry, it's survival. Okay. I tell you what else I don't do. I'm not going to do the Malvern College's Relationships and Sex Education evening. The email came through and I thought that would be fantastic. What a great night and learn all about these wonderful things they're teaching my kids. And I thought, do you know what? That's just gonna to top me over the top. Tip me over the top. We're not gonna do that. Wonderful that is, we're not gonna do that. And cats, I don't do cats, just threw that one in, not sure why. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me ask you a couple of questions. I, I think this is important in this whole topic. What are your technology rules? Do you have any technology rules? I think you all need to have technology rules? How are we handling and managing this mass of technological information and input and interaction? What is your social media usage is the question. What what is your relationship with those little red alert dots that appear on your phone? Now I'm reliably informed that red is a deliberately chosen colour because it's a stress inducer. And it wants you to press that button. So the first thing I would strongly suggest is have a don't list. You can have some fun with that. Second one is sort of related but flipped. Number two is write down your to-do list. Here's my statement. The more there is in the muddle in a muddle in your head, the more stressed you become. So write things down. Pretty simple. Write things down and then process them in an organised fashion. I have, I have a saved to-do list for every week of my ministry life. I have them on my computer still saved, not quite sure why. Do you know what, in my to-do list, quite a lot is reproduced. In my routines, I don't need to reinvent the wheel every week. But you know, it, come, it comes down to developing coping mechanisms, strategies that work for you in processing this ever-expanding list of commitments that we seem to have. Okay, number three, we're warming up here. Number three is carefully distinguish the urgent and the important. Now, I just about resisted the temptation to put Stephen Covey's uh, urgent, important grid matrix on the screen for you. Let me put it like this. Billy no Billy's near other Billy forgetting his swimming goggles may be urgent, but in the grand scheme of things it is probably not life changingly important. Making a plan to grow your business may not be urgent, but it is definitely important. Making a plan for, for spiritual growth and health may not be urgent. It's not crashing down on your head and jumping up and down and making a lot of noise. It may not be urgent, but it definitely is important. Uh, and as Stephen Covey argues, the danger is we spend all our time being sucked into the urgent and we don't spend anything like enough time doing those things that are really, really important that could change your life, but never find it into your schedule. Here's, here's a statement that I'm quite pleased with. The statement is, is, Urgent feeds stress. Important manages it. Think about that. The urgent feeds stress. Yikes. Match tees important feat that uh, manages that very same stress. So the first things on our to-do list will be the urgent and important. And if you think the swimming goggles are urgent and important, then go for it. Otherwise, he can do without the swimming goggles one day. That's the point. So at the top of the list is the urgent and important. At the bottom are the unurgent and unimportant. Just pause for a second, and I'm not going to make a dig at social media at all. Are there any things in your life that are unurgent and unimportant that are clogging up your time? Just asking. The aim, of course, is to try to get the urge, the urge important but non-urgent, try to get that higher up the list. That's, that's the challenge. How can I get that important stuff, rather than getting it squished down towards the bottom of forgotten? Bottom how can I get it up to the top or towards the top of my list? And perhaps one of the keys to doing that is is to work out what actually really is urgent. Here's the point. The point is we really don't want those fears and those insecurities that we talked about, we don't want them to be making those decisions for you. And actually, if it's your your fears and your insecurities we will come to this in subsequent weeks that are driving those scheduling decisions, guess what? You're going to find yourself running around after the urgent, after everyone else, after everyone else's problems, after your own fears and insecurities, and you're going to exhaust yourself. And you are going to become squished by stress. Okay, number four, I'm cranking this up slowly. Number four is good idea. God idea or just plain bad idea? It is an obvious statement. There's so much that we could be doing but what should we be doing? A bit related to the last point, I think. Here's a few sort of controversial statements that throw out there. Someone asked me if I was a provocative preacher and I said no. <laughs> Here we go. <clears throat> We can exhaust ourselves doing things we should have stopped doing years ago. Churches, take note. We can exhaust ourselves doing things we should have stopped doing years ago. Here's another one. We can spend a great deal of time doing things that look good on the outside, but aren't really bearing any kingdom fruit. Okay, I'm going to roll. I'm going to keep going. Do, do we tend to run ahead of God and ask Him to bless our plans anyway? And then wonder why we get so tired and stressed. I'm gonna come back to that. If we want that that that, that's, that naturally supernatural culture, a key repeated question we need to all ask ourselves is what are the God ideas? Lots and lots of good ideas. Probably one or two bad ideas. The key question becomes, what are the God ideas? Why? Because they carry heaven's grace. They carry Jesus' wisdom. They carry the Holy Spirit's anointing. Number four. Number five is learn to walk at the pace of grace. Grace. So, guys, this is the crux. If you've fallen asleep, this is the time to wake up. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, says the Lord. Amen. Praise God. We've all heard the message translation of that, because it's great. I'm going to read it to you again. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. and lightly isn't that amazing tired worn out burned out we have a word for that stressed right how about the opportunity to recover your life wouldn't it be great to recover wouldn't it wouldn't be great to have the enthusiasm that those young ones have got up there in that room making all that noise Jesus said walk with me Walk with me. I'll come back to that. Work with me. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace and learn to live freely and lightly. Yes, please. I don't know about you, but I think that stressed Stella needs this message. So here's the point the point is there is a rhythm of grace. What we're going to call it the pace of grace. And you know what? Stress is the inevitable consequence of ignoring or clashing, conflicting with that. I'm going to say that again. That there is a pace of grace, and stress is the inevitable consequence of ignoring or clashing with that. Let me explain what I mean. Question Why do we feel. The need to run everywhere. That's my don't be impressed if I'm busy line. Why do we feel the need to run everywhere? We'll show you a little, um, little visual here, Gavin, if you don't mind, that, um, that, that I, I saw at a leadership conference one time. Um, th- yeah, next one. Flip it on, flip it on. There we go. So I think, I think that there's three zones we can live in. I think the ideal place to be right there in the middle is that kind of appropriately stretched, challenged zone. Uh, in, in a numerical sense, I put that between about 40 and 85% capacity. I think it's great to operate in that. We want to be active, we want to be doing things, you know, we want to be productive, all of that. You know, and Actually, probably we, we'd quite like to be towards the top end of that scale. We probably don't want to be down there in the green, having a snooze, missing everything, passing us by. Okay. However, at the top end of the scale is the red zone. The red zone is when the pace is just too hot. You know, that's that's where it's all firing off and everything's happening, and you're running on adrenaline. And I remember, never forget those Bill Hybels that she said, you know what? you can visit the red zone, but you cannot live there. I think there is a danger that we try to live in the red zone. I've called that for the sake of, of our morning, I've called that running. The red zone is running. And the orange zone is walk striding. Okay, I'll explain why in a second. And the and one, bottom one's just sleeping. I'm all for sleep, mind. Sometime the green's good. Do you know your physical heart cannot sustain, depends on your age a bit, can't sustain 160 beats per minute for long without going into stress. That number's higher if you're younger and fitter. But similarly, neither can your spiritual heart maintain that level of red zone without eventually going into stress. Now here's just a little fun little fact. You know, there's a lot more walking in the Bible than there is running. And to prove it, I looked it up. But you know what? The word run appears 159 times in the Bible, which seems like a lot, but it's a big book, right? 159 times. But do you know what? Most of those times, I looked it up, most of those times is running away from your enemies. Well, I reckon that's okay. Or it's actually talking about rivers running or boundaries running. So not a lot of that is actually, you know, Linford Christie, you know, down the 100-meter track. He's a bit old now, showing my age. So run is 159 times. Guess how many times the word rest appears? 393 wait not as in wait 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 as in wait wait 160 times which is one more than running i think that was good god did that on purpose the word walk appears 253 times the word sit appears 218 times and that doesn't include situation because i weeded them all out and counted them there's only two times in the bible we're called to run One is away from evil as fast as we possibly can. And the second one is to run back to God for safety. Do you know that we never ever see Jesus running? And the only time, as I understand it, that we see God running at any stage in the Bible is in the prodigal son story when he's running to the prodigal son to administer grace. There's a reason why our mission statement says, meet with God and walk with God and serve God. It doesn't, the middle one is not run. Here's my stress definition for you. My definition of stress is stress is an unsettled state of heart, right, unsettled state of heart, which is the inevitable consequence of trying to run ahead of God. I'll say that again. Stress is an unsettled state of heart which is the inevitable consequence of trying to run ahead of God. No, there is a pace of grace and the key is to find that pace. I'll explain it like this. And you'll all testify to this from your own experience. And I could give you Bible, chapter and verse to back these statements up over and over and over again. Statement number one, there is an inevitable resistance that comes when you do your own things, your way, in your strength. The flip to that statement number two is that there is a clarity and a, and a favour and a grace that comes when you do God things in his way and in his strength. I'll give you three quick verses just to drive this in. Verse number one is John 6 63, which I love, which says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And I love the, the, the King James Version, the old version, which says, The Spirit quickeneth. I love that idea quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. Here, here's the statement flesh exhausts, but spirit quickens. I tell you one of my big stresses each week is I start Monday morning on zero. Okay, now the, 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 the process, the, the, the plan of my week builds up towards this triumph on a Sunday morning. <laughs> okay, you might not think it's a triumph, but for me it is. <laughs> Just getting to the end probably. Right, and... Fantastic! You're getting the adrenaline rush. You know, all those slaps on the back afterwards. I'm setting this up. <laughs> and then on Monday morning, I'm flat as a pancake because I look in the mirror and I realise I'm on zero again. And yet again, I've got to come up with all this stuff. This. <laughs> I trying not to beat my own drum here in case it comes back to bite me badly. Now this week, I, uh, so Monday's my, my bottom... Tuesday, I'm walking early in the morning with my dogs in the maize fields, And do you know what? God just deposited pretty much this whole thing in my heart in five minutes. And I wrote it down on my phone. And do you know what? The point of that is, it's so much better and easier with Holy Spirit inspiration. You might disagree. You know, the, the fear is without that... That I have to spend the whole of my week trying desperately to kind of stir up, whip up, conjure up something half decent out of my own mental capacity. You know, that's, that, that's really stressful. And I, and I thank the Lord pretty much every week. I have that moment where, where I, get, I get that clarity from God and join it so much better. The grace route is so much better because the Spirit gives life, the flesh just exhausts you, profits nothing. Verse number two is uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, which you know well, says, he said to me, and you know the story, this is the, Paul's thorn in the flesh and all this difficult stuff he's having to deal with. And he's seeking the Lord, saying, deal with all this stuff. Get all this nightmare away from me, Lord. Please pluck this thorn out. And God says to me, my, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Last week we looked at a definition of grace. Grace is an an imparted power and ability to do in God's strength what we would ordinarily struggle to do in our own. Do you know, grace is his sufficiency. And it's readily available to us in moments of weakness or or inadequacy or or inability or, or, dare I say, stress. And I'd say quite possibly part of your stress is because you neglected to draw on God's grace, on God's sufficiency. And instead, we all do it, we tend to race ahead, try and do our own things in our own way, in our own strength, and we hit that resistance. The alternative is to receive that grace, to walk in that grace, to do God's things in his way, his strength. Number three, just quickly, Philippians 4 verse 13, I love the verses, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is our choice. I can do it through Christ or not. I can do it in his strength or mine. I can do all things through Christ, or some things every now and again when I remember and feel like it. But we have this fantastic invitation. We can do all things through Christ knowing that he is the one who provides the strength. Here's my stress definition again. Stress is an unsettled state of heart which is the inevitable consequence of trying to run ahead of God. That there is a pace of grace and stress is the inevitable result of clashing, conflicting and ignoring that. I'm going to recommend a resource for you. Uh, It's a teaching series called Stride by a man called Michael Todd, who I mentioned last week. He's a senior pastor at Transformation Church, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Really, really, really really good uh, series. I was listening to a little bit of, of that this morning actually on the way in. There is a. Me- I haven't listened to it yet. There is a message. Message number three is called the Pace of Grace. So you can get it on podcast. You can get it on YouTube. It's really, really, really inspiring stuff. So that's number five. Number six is the final one. Is related. Number six is learn to quickly and frequently cast your cares. Three verses. Um, one Peter five verse seven. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Psalm 52, verse 20, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. I looked up the word sustain this week and it literally means to sustain and support and nourish. If you will cast your cares and your fears and your burdens and your anxiety on the Lord, he will sustain you. He will nourish you. He will support you. Hebrews 4, 16, again, lots of verses I could have chosen here. Let us then approach God's throne of grace that word again, with confidence so that we may, we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You know, it's crucial we realise there is a place for you to take all that stress. You have a place to take all your stress, and it's him. So part of, of finding the pace of grace, if you like, is learning to take time in God's presence. It's learning to rest. It's learning to wait. It's learning to cast your cares so you can hear his wisdom and receive his peace. Now, we try to facilitate some of that here on a Sunday morning. And we're going to do a little bit of that in a minute. But you know what? We all need more than just that. You need to find that pace You need to find those rhythms for yourself through your days and minutes. Here's a statement. In a world that feeds stress by advocating self-sufficiency, we must learn to cultivate a God-sufficiency. Just quick footnotes here. If you're an empath, But be very cautious about allowing other people to dump their stress on you. A problem shared is probably not halved. To to make a long story short, your your task is to teach them to cast their own cares on the Lord. It's not your job to try and carry it for them. Last little footnote on, on this one. Learn to quickly and frequently cast your cares. I think you should have at least one prayer partner that you can trust with your stress. At least one. They call it an accountability partner. At least someone that you can talk to, unload, so they can pray for you. Not so that you can burden them with all your problems, but so they can be praying for and upholding and undergirding you. Fantastic, okay, right. Unstressed, unsquished, unstressed Stella. Here she is. You can see she's also had a bit of a hair change. She's gone blonde. Because we all know blondes have more fun, right? I really wanted to find the photo of the same person stressed and unstressed, but I couldn't find it. Unstressed Stella. Stella is slowly becoming unsquished. Yay for selling. Her world, her responsibilities haven't changed per se, but now she's noticeably better at managing them. She no longer feels the need to solve every problem. She recognises she can't be available for every person. She knows that certain things just won't get done till tomorrow. And that's okay. Because she's let a few things go, she has more room for God in her life And that relationship is now much stronger. She has learned to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, rather than scrabbling around trying to win the rat race. As a result, she no longer suffers from a fear of missing out. She's far less concerned about appearing inadequate and inferior, because she recognizes that her job is to be stellar, and not to imitate, aspire to, or copy everyone else. God has released her from the fear of letting other people down. And so she now tends to promise less, but is able to deliver much more. In her prayer life, she's now asking much better questions. Lord, is this your idea or mine? Is it my task or someone else's? Will the world really end if I stop doing that? As a result, her schedule is leaner and more streamlined, leaving space for breath. And as a result, everyone in their house is sleeping better. Stella loves trying to find the pace of grace. She's given up racing around ahead of God and getting in a pickle. And now she's learnt to lean on grace rather than trying to do it in her own strength. She's getting more important things done quicker and with correspondingly better results. Above all, she's no longer stressed all the time. Those anxieties and worries, they still surface, but now she has coping strategies. She smiles more. She oozes peace and calm assurance, barks fewer frantic orders at her kids, and even finds time to sit down at least once a day. Stella is feeling unsquished. And everyone is pleased about that. Amen. I hope you found some of that helpful. We're going to take this into a time of of worship and a little time for a response if the team would like to come forward. As I was pondering this and praying this uh, over this this week, I I thought of of four different sort of people, situation, scenarios that I want to throw out at you and, and ask you, you know, maybe this is you. And and if this is you, I'd encourage you to respond this morning. Four different types of people. Person number one, are your stress levels too high too often? Question mark. Okay, my little picture of the orange and the green. Do you spend too much time in the red zone? If that's you, God is there for you today. Number two, is there some reason why you just can't stop running? Don't you know people like that? They're always running and there's something in them that just can't stop running. It's a fantastic point that Michael Todd made this morning. If you're too busy running, you'll never slow down and stop long enough to process the things you're running from or the things that are causing you to run. It comes back down to feeding stress or managing stress. If you're always running, I think the Lord is trying to grab you by the coattails today and shout, slow down, cowboy. Question number three. This is sort of flips it over a little bit to the other direction. Are you so frightened of becoming stressed that there are decisions and changes and people that you're avoiding or hiding from because you've seen the damaging effects of stress and you just don't want to go there. If that is the case, there are some things out of balance. My prayer is that through the six weeks of this series, it'll help you all find some balance. Next week, I think it's called Hiding Like a Hedgehog. So this might be you. And then, number four, finally, is, is there one particular situation in your life right now that is causing off the chart stress levels in which you desperately need sustaining grace? If that's you, then the Father Heart of God is crying out for you today to minister to that. What we're going to do is, is, is uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time worshipping. I encourage you to ask those questions. It may well be that as a result of that, you might be thinking, do you know what? I can't do all of that. I'll just get stressed. But there may be one thing in there that I can grab a hold of, take to the Lord's. I can do that. I can have a to do list. Start off right now. I'm not going to cook Sunday lunch, whatever it is. Don't <laughs> recommend that. It may well be there's one response. I'd encourage you, make a response today. What we do over in this church, in this area over here, if you want to come and do business with God, You want to, you know, cast those cares, whatever it is. You want to talk to God about the pace of grace. Come over this side and do business with God. I tell you, you won't regret it. This side over here, in this nice area here, we have a prayer ministry team. They love to pray for you. So particularly for that last one, if there's there's stress levels in your life that are just too high, if you're in that red zone and you can't get out, let them pray the grace of God over you this morning. Let's stand. I'm going to pray very briefly and then Barry's going to lead us in a song or two and then feel free to respond as you feel fit. Father, thank you so much that you looked down on stressed and failing mankind and you sent us Jesus and you gave us grace and you filled us with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we don't have to live stressed to the max. We can find that pace of grace and we can walk with you So, Father, over the next 5, 10, 15 minutes, Lord, would you just fill this place and these people with your peace? Would you whisper in their ears? Would you minister strength and encouragement to their hearts? Would you minister a redirection, a correction, if necessary, to their thinking processes? And, Holy Spirit, we just offer you this time and say, would you come minister to us? By your grace, in Jesus' name, amen.